Okay, welcome back to Driving Theology. This is going to be kind of a part two to yesterday's um, uh, podcast that I recorded. Um, kind of a rebuttal uh, against the uh, cultish podcast. Um, not a rebuttal in the way you might think. Uh, I Sorry, I'm going to have a little clanking noise in here. I'm on the way to the river to do some raft guiding. Uh, and I just, I've just been thinking a lot about stuff and, um, yesterday the, uh, cultish podcast, they decided to, um, feature, uh, what they believe to be cultish beliefs of the churches of Christ. You may know that I grew up in the churches of Christ. I'm not, uh, a member now, and I do have a lot of problems with their theology. That's for sure. Um, but I will uh, not be convinced by Calvinist theology, right? To take the place of Church of Christ theology. That's, that's something I, I just could not um, stomach at all. Uh, I think Calvin, Calvinist theology is even farther off than Church of Christ theology. And Church of Christ theology is really far off. Um, so I just wanted to talk, I, I, I did a little, uh, um, listen to a few, uh, podcasts and speeches, uh, just to refresh some of my memory, uh, of Calvinist theology. Uh, and I thought I'd take, uh, talk about a few of the, uh, points of that. Uh, I think I'm going to stop and take these helmets off my hanger cause they're just too noisy. As soon as I get, get a place, I'll probably stop and have to pause this for a second. Uh, so those things are going to be way noisier than I'd like them to be, I think. Um, so let's let's uh, talk about some of these. Uh, let's let's start with uh, predestination and why not? That's the big one that everybody talks about. Now, predestination is something that is mentioned in the Bible, but uh, John Calvin took it to a whole other level. And most all of his theology uh, is kind of nestled within, within this idea. Uh, uh, and this idea is nestled within another idea. I guess John Calvin starts with the idea of the sovereignty of God, right? That this is probably the biggest, the biggest thing that John Calvin talks about is the sovereignty of God. Uh, and all of his other theologies come from that. I'm going to have to pause for just one second. Okay, that's taken care of. Looks like we're recording again. So, don't don't get me wrong. I I believe that God is sovereign. The problem is is that basically Calvin left the sovereignty of God uh, in a place that basically doesn't uh, doesn't look any different than a petulant child. You know, it, 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 it's my toy, so I'm not going to let you play with it. Or, you know, this is my house, so I can do what I want. Or, you know, I chose the game, so I get to make the rules. Kind of a, you know, the worst kind of human being there is, right, that nobody likes, selfish and always wants things his way. This is kind of the God that 
that Calvin believed in. He believed that because God was sovereign, sovereign is another word for saying king, or the the um, you know the the what do you call it? Authorit- um Man, I can't even get the word right right now. Uh, the supreme authority, the supreme leader. There's no one higher, right? That's what sovereign means. Sovereign means of a king, in other words. Uh, and because God is the sovereign leader, there's no one higher than him. And because he made the world, and because he made all of the rules that are in the world, then he can basically do whatever he wants. There is no higher power than God. Therefore, God, whatever he does, is is right and correct. And he can change whenever he wants, right? He he doesn't have to, uh, in a lot of ways, I think what Calvinistic um, theology says is that God doesn't have to follow his own rules because God's sovereign. Uh, and so God comes across as a, a bit of a jerk. You know, I don't know how else to say that. Um, you know, because I made the world, the world is mine, therefore I will kill who I want and, and I will save who I want. Uh, and really, you humans have nothing to say about it. And I don't mean really as kind of, I mean really as actually. You're right? You, you humans have nothing to say about it. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you have done. I will, I have chosen before the foundations of the world were laid who would be saved uh, and who would be condemned. Uh, and that's just how I am. And I will... I will condemn who I want, and I will save who I want. And I can do that because it's all mine. I do it my way, my way or the highway. Now, but even we can't choose the highway, right? We, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a weird theology because it makes God into the kind of person that, that Jesus wasn't, right? Jesus wasn't that kind of a person on earth. He didn't model that kind of behavior or that kind of selfishness. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a horrible version of God. Horrible version of God. Um, and so, under the idea that God is sovereign, uh, he says, this, why, this is why, and I just alluded to it, uh, we have uh, limited atonement, right? And that means that Jesus' death, uh, far from atoning for all the sins of the world, only atoned for the sins of the few that God elected, right? That God chosen. And so Christ's atonement does not cover anybody except the few that he chose. And we don't know who he chose, right? We hope that we're one of the ones that he chose. Uh, but we, we don't know, and we can't know. Uh, but if, you know, if... It's slower. Assume that's going to be faster. Yeah, so, sorry, I'm, I'm navigating myself a little bit here while I'm driving too. So, that Christ did not die for the whole world, right? He only died for those who God preordained, right? Predestined, 
to be his children. Okay, this is the idea of limited atonement. Um, it's an interesting idea, right? Um, interesting. It's, it's the only word I can say about it right now. Uh, and then you have the, the predestination, right? That, that God decided before the foundations of the earth were laid uh, that a certain number of people uh, would be saved and no one else. And it doesn't matter our behavior. Um, it's just God's choice, right? It's God's choice. Uh, and yeah, so this is, this is Calvin's idea of predestination. Calvin also had an idea of the complete depravity of man. In other words, men were completely sinful. They were as depraved from the womb, maybe even from conception. Uh, and so he had a very, um, a very strict idea of original sin, right? Which I've talked about before. Uh, I don't, I, I agree that original sin exists. I don't agree with uh, the way Calvin talks about it, but anyway. Um, and so Calvin believed that we were all bad, we were born bad, uh, and that there was really no help for us except uh, if we were, if we happen to be chosen by God uh, from the foundations of the world. If we are chosen, if we are the elect, uh, then we are safe, and if we're not, well, we're condemned already. Uh, the, these are some of the main main parts, the, the main ideas of, of main ideas of Calvinism, at least that are coming to my mind right now as I'm driving. Um, now there are people in the world who basically worship Calvin. They revere him. Uh, I heard someone say uh, yesterday that Calvin was the greatest human being who has lived in the last 2,000 years. The best, the most righteous, the, 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 the greatest, right? Uh, human being who has lived in the last 2,000 years. Uh, and he was placed above any of the early church fathers. Um, and anybody who's lived so far, right? Um, now, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of benefit of the doubt because Jesus lived in those 2,000 years. Uh, G Jesus was human. If he wasn't human, then, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, he was human and God. Uh, so I, I think I would give the nod to Jesus myself. Uh, but no, this guy gave the nod to John Calvin. But I, I don't think he was including Jesus in the running because Jesus is above and beyond, I assume. Uh, but, but this guy... Um, had a serious bromance going on with Calvin. I, I couldn't believe uh, the terms in which he was referring to Calvin, the, the superlative terms. Um, but man, I, I see Calvin is, as possibly one of the Antichrists uh, that came up down through the centuries and, and most of it's because of this 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 creation of a monstrous God. He believed in a monster of a God. 
what we'd call a monster child or a monster parent, this kind of person that always has to get their own way and is entitled. Um, th this God, who is sovereign, therefore he can do whatever he wants, uh, just doesn't sit with me well at all, you know. Uh, I got a lot of problems with that God. A lot. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the God that uh, Calvin talked about. Um, and, let's see, sorry, I got kind of off track here. Let me get back on track. So, um, hmm, I'm going to get to total depravity of man. So the churches of Christ were criticized for believing that children were burn, born, children were born with a clean slate, and that children who died went straight to heaven because they had not sinned yet, and they were not able to sin until, you know, until they actually know right from wrong. Um, and these these uh, reformists, otherwise known as Calvinists, uh, who were criticizing this, this, you know, talked about how their little kids are little sinners. They do bad stuff all the time, right? But the Church of Christ view would be if you don't know it's bad and you do bad, then it's not sin. And I think there's a, even a verse, uh, you know, to who, to to the person who knows to do good but doesn't do it, to him that is sin. But shouldn't the converse be the same, right? That if you don't know what you're doing is bad, then it's not sin to you, right? Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that, that verse I really should maybe put on their website and bring that up. Um, that you can't really sin if you don't know you're sinning. Um, anyway, that that to me doesn't even begin to address the original sin problem. I think there's probably, uh, in some way, shape, or form, some original sin that is kind of a residue of those who lived before us that kind of comes with us uh, in birth. And it, it doesn't, it has no uh, dependence on uh, whether or not we do something bad, something against our conscience, uh, or anything like that. It's, it's, it's almost at the DNA level. And scientists recently have been uh, contemplating this idea that there's uh, DNA embedded memories that we receive from our ancestors and that we can have memories. Memories can show up uh, and they're memories of things that we've never done, and I've actually experienced this. Uh, I I have never smoked a cigarette, except except one time, uh, well one one period of maybe a week uh, that I had to smoke a cigarette on stage, right? I had to do it as a as a role, and man, I didn't want to do it, and I tried to get out of it, but. Uh, I had to do it. I had to light it and, and puff a little bit on stage. And I hated it. Uh, but, uh, be that as it may, I, I've, I have memories of chain smoking. 
I, I have memories of chain smoking cigarettes. I know that I've never done it. And I can't figure out why I have this memory of myself, right? I know it's me. And I'm chain smoking, just constantly smoking cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. Well, I know that I come from a family that had smokers in it, right? That's, that's uh, I think almost everybody did, uh, you know, 50 to 100 years ago. A lot of people smoked. Um, but yeah, somehow this is my memory. But I know I never did it. I know that. Uh, but it's a memory nonetheless. The good thing is it hasn't made me want to smoke. That's, uh, that's something that I've stayed uh, far away from. Part of it's because I'm a singer. Uh, and part of it's because my parents just warned me of the dangers and, and uh, you know, kept me pretty far away from it. Um, yeah, so I don't disagree with the idea that there can be some residue of sin on people that transfers I suppose through DNA or through your spirit and I you know I, I don't know exactly what the mechanism is or the physiology uh, or psychology for that matter but I can see where that could happen right I just don't think that that condemns you right I don't I don't believe that um, even though the Bible talks about the sins of the parents being visited to the to the third and fourth generation um, I still don't think that that condemns you and part of it's because I don't think sin, sin condemns us at all because we learned through the death uh, of Jesus how much how much God loves us all right he loves us enough to die for us uh, and that that shows us that he's forgiven us of our sins, right? That he doesn't hold our sins against us. Uh, and I think he understands, he understands the, um, the existence of sin uh, and how, how difficult it is for us to live uh, in a world where, where, where we are surrounded by sin. And, and, you know, I think that's why he came to die on the cross to let us know, hey, you know, you you are living in a, a tough way, right? You you are are attacked from all sides uh, and led astray, right? Not through any fault of your own. I get it, and I forgive you for it, and I want you to know that I love you no matter what. Now, Calvin, I think, would have said that yes, that's exactly right, but that only applies to. Uh, the elect, the people that God elected, right, that he chose from the beginning. It doesn't apply to anybody else, right? Uh, God's love uh, is not uh, bestowed upon anyone, right? His forgiveness is not bestowed upon anyone other than the ones that he has elected. Now, what this does, and I have a feeling if I were to talk to a Calvinist that they would refute this, but what this does is takes away free will right this this means that free will has no place in the world and it basically means I can do whatever I want to do um, because it's already decided right there's there's no there's no way to lose my my 
salvation if I'm one of the chosen. And there's no way to get salvation if I wasn't chosen. And therefore, you know, I should just do whatever I want because it doesn't matter. So it either leads to nihilism, right? Everything's meaningless. It's meaningless to do good in the world. Uh, or uh, it leads to, you know, fatalism. There's nothing I can do. Everything has been decided. Everything that ha happens is supposed to happen. And there's really nothing I can do about it. And again, really, I mean actually nothing I can do about it. There is, there is nothing at all I can do to change the events that are going to unfold in my life. Uh, all I can do is witness them. Uh, but even that has all been programmed ahead of time. Uh, and, you know, why even try, right? With Calvinism, what's the point of even trying? I don't believe God's a monster. I don't believe that that is who God is at all. Uh, I think I think the monster the monster that Calvin created in his mind that he calls God uh, is someone that none of us would ever want to be around. None of us could ever love. How could I love a God like that? A God who maybe chose my spouse but not me, or chose. Uh, my son, but not my daughter, right? A God who created people for destruction, right? He created them to be eternally damned. And I'm talking about eternal destruction. I'm not talking about the destruction that happens in this life that I think that verse that I just alluded to is actually talking about, right? Some were created for destruction. Uh, and I think, I think there's a lot more that goes behind that verse then uh, meets the eye as well. Maybe sometime, someday I'll uh, delve into that. But right now I want to keep on Calvinism. Calvin had a lot of weird ideas um, and, and his practices as well. For example, he was not averse to waging war uh, against people who thought differently than him. In fact, he did so. He did so. Um, yeah, he, he, the God he believed in is, is a monster. If he were a leader of a country, we'd call him a monster. And we have leaders like that. Uh, Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un are leaders like that. Mao was a leader like that. Stalin was a leader like that. Hitler was a leader like that. Leaders that just decided what was going to happen, what their vision was for the world, and anybody who was in the way uh, were just destroyed. They were destroyed and discarded, uh, and those uh, other people maybe who were on the fence uh, were brainwashed uh, and um, forced, right? Forced to comply. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's, September's still 18, oh, it's still cold. Um, that's, that's not Jesus, right? That's not Jesus. Jesus knew that we had to make all kinds of difficult decisions and choices. 
uh, and that the only way we could ever love him uh, was if we had free will. Uh, and and thank God we have it. Thank God we're not automata automatons. Automatons, automata. I can never say it right. I think it's automatons. Uh, thank God we're not robots, right? Thank God we can feel and we can choose uh, and we can decide. Well, choose and decide is the same thing. Uh, we can love, right? We have free will. Uh, we can fall down and we can get back up. Um, free will is a wonderful thing to have, right? It's just great. Why would anybody not want free will? So yeah, I I know that Calvinists probably have some concept of free will that they believe it exists on some level or another. Um, I guess my biggest problem with John Calvin is the is the monster he created and called it God. Um, just horrible, just horrible. And then they, you know, to, to bolster this, they take Paul and they, they read Paul out of a context of Jesus uh, and make him very legalistic uh, and come up with this religion. Uh, and we're talking about Presbyterians, right? Presbyterians or Calvinists uh, and uh, probably a couple other groups. Uh, any, anything that calls themselves Reformed, uh, they are Calvinists. And, man, they can be some of the nastiest people you'll ever meet uh, online or whatever. Um, but, yeah, John Calvin's theology, uh, <laughs> I'll, all right, I'm going to say this kind of strongly. It's because I, I feel really deeply about this. Church of Christ theology may be flawed, and I would I would I would say with a little bit of humility that I believe it is flawed. Uh, I believe it's very flawed. I, I believe it needs a lot of a lot of work. But I'll be damned if I'm going to have Calvinists try to point out the flaws. That 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 just is ridiculous to me. Um. I don't, I don't, I really should control, I guess, my anger a little bit, bit better than that, but I don't know, it just seems like if you're, if you're jumping out of Church of Christ theology into Calvinist theology, you know, it's just out of the frying pan into the fire type of stuff. It's just, you know, way worse, way worse in a lot of ways. You know, I'd rather believe that, that, that unborn babies... Uh, and and children and babies, uh, I'd rather believe that that God takes care of them, that He welcomes them into His open arms, uh, because that's the nature of God. That's His character. Now I believe that that because free will exists, there there may be someone who rejects God's love, but I don't think anybody will be rejected by God based on their performance. Now, yes, this is a this is a little bit of a problem of Church of Christ theology because traditionally Church of Christ theology has always said that you are saved 
by baptism. By grace, by faith, but baptism is kind of faith in action. And so there's a there's a lot of finagling uh, that happens. Dude, you are on the freaking... farther up why would you stop there person stopped on the tracks behind me so yeah uh, yeah Calvinist theology is not the direction to go if you want to you know find good theology go back and spend about a month reading Jesus reading the gospels and really getting deep in who Jesus is there's your theology. And that's all the theology you need is in the person of Christ. Uh, experience it in nature. Experience him in your heart, right? Experience him becoming the, the beautiful, loving, welcoming God that we all want him to be for us, right? And envision him being that for everybody. That's, you know, that's, that's theology. Jesus' open arms. Jesus' unconditional, unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, unconditional acceptance. That's, that's, that's the, where our theology should start. Not the sovereignty of God, the love of God. That's where Jesus' theology begins. Yes, God is king, but he's not an earthly king. He's not a petulant king. He's a loving king. He's a king in such a way that redefines what the word king means. It's not anything like what what we thought it meant. Calvin just made God into a bad king. Powerful king, yes. A bad king, definitely. We don't need any more leaders like that in the world. Where's that going to get anybody? Nobody loves a king like that. We just fear him. Can you imagine going through life not knowing if you're one of the elect or not? I mean, I can because, to tell you the truth, a lot of Church of Christ theology comes out of Calvinism. Uh, Church of Christ was birthed from Presbyterianism. Right? It came out of Presbyterianism. Is it an improvement over Presbyterianism? I couldn't tell you. Presbyterian is just another word for Calvinist it's just the Scottish version, right? Uh, I couldn't tell you if it's an improvement. I think there are some things that are an improvement. And there are some things that probably are not, right? There are probably uh, some things that we can learn from John Calvin. But all in all, you know, if if you you know if you if you got to eat, eat the whole you know take the whole nine yards or nothing, I say discard the whole nine yards. Forget about it. Get back to Jesus, spend your time in Jesus, then allow Jesus to color your Paul and your Peter and your James and the rest of them and your John. And uh, 
let that be your theology. No, no need for John Calvin. Uh, I think I think the Church of Christ does need to to do some some uh, some work, but I don't know any fundamentalist fun, fundamentalist slash evangelical church that doesn't. Right? I think they all got work to do, uh, a lot of work to do, and no question, I would say. Um. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got to say about that, I suppose. Uh, yeah, John Calvin, not a fan. Not a fan so far. Uh, I'm no scholar on John Calvin. Uh, I'm just kind of hitting some of the highlights uh, that have come up. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't think predestination is a thing. I just don't believe it means what Calvin says it means. I believe in the elect, but I think the elect are those of us here on earth who have found Christ and are doing his work on earth. It has nothing to do with being elected uh, for eternal life. I think it's we're elected to bring God's love and comfort and peace and forgiveness and acceptance to people on earth to, to usher in the kingdom of God on earth and the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom it's not a kingdom like a normal petulant king that Calvin would have you, have you believe it's the kingdom of a father a father and his children it's the kingdom of a mother a mother who loves and protects her children and loves every one of them the same uh, it, it's the kingdom of of healing. It's the kingdom of bringing near, right? Not forcing out, but bringing near. Uh, it's the kingdom not of fear, but of love. If if you have, if you are one of the ones who. Uh, one of the few, I will add, who have met Jesus in this life, truly met him. Uh, you've experienced him. You've, you've come to, to love him and understand how much he loves you. If you are one of those people, you are one of the elect. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Uh, it just means that you are in the privileged position to bring the love of God to the earth on his behalf. It's your privilege, right? You have been elected for such a time as this. Um, and and that's, that's enough. It's enough, right? What's going on in this life, in this, world, in this world, is enough. It's enough to think about. We have enough to do here than to worry about what's going to happen after death. I think we can rest and, and have faith and trust that God has taken care of 
that transition as much as he's taking care of us here and now that he, he will continue to love us like he does now into the future um, but that's another problem is that Calvin focused it seems like so much of his energy on getting people saved right are you saved are you going to be one of God's elect or are you not right to get people saved um, as opposed to teach people how to uh, usher in heaven in their context uh, in this life to usher in the kingdom of God which is why you can't have a, a religious leader who believes in war it just it makes no sense it's, it's, it's not the kingdom of God it's against the kingdom of God it's directly fighting against the kingdom of God and the weapons of the kingdom of God are just love Right? They don't defend themselves against, uh, against the weapons of men. Right? There is no defense but love uh, when it comes to the kingdom of God. That looks like weakness uh, to mortal men. But those of us who have the life of Christ in us, we know that that's, that's strength. And it's the only strength that will ever prevail against the world is why you don't fight fire with fire. Uh, I'm kind of rambling now. I'm going to go ahead and cut this off. I'm just about out to the river where I got to be. It's taken me about an hour and ten minutes, hour and five minutes maybe. It's about what I thought it'd be, maybe an hour and ten minutes once I get there. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I'll post this as part two uh, to yesterday's podcast. I haven't posted yesterday's yet. In fact, maybe I'll do that. Oh, I didn't bring my computer. Never mind, I won't be doing that today. Well, this morning, I might do it tonight. But yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, uh, man, we got to get back to the theology of Jesus. And whether you Whether you find that in the some of the books of the Bible, whether you find that in nature, whether you find that in, in your fellow human beings, uh, you know, wherever you find that, it, it's all good, right? Um, yeah. Um, we've had too many guys misinterpret Jesus over the years, and we've all been guilty of that. But not all of us uh, set ourselves up on a pedestal uh, like John Calvin um, and led so many people astray. Um, now, I'm going to back off a little bit from what I said before. I said I think maybe he was one of the Antichrists, and I'm not going to say that that's not true. But what I will say is this. I have very limited vision and limited perspective, and I may be wrong about my ideas of John Calvin. Uh, it could be that that he came along at the right time uh, with a theology that that led some people in the right direction. Eventually, maybe maybe he was a 
you know, a step in the right direction, even though I think a lot of his theology was flawed. Because the Catholic theology before him was flawed as well, right? So, you know, there may be something in Calvin's theology that has contributed on the whole of the theology that happens today. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, you know, I appreciate it. And I, I believe uh, John Calvin will be saved um, along with along with a lot of people. Um, so I'm not condemning John Calvin at all. Just his theology. <laughs> Just his theology. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.